I'm David W. Werner, and this is The Writer Shed. It seems like every time I start the, the uh, podcast, I'm talking about the weather, and I'm going to do that again today, and I've thought about it for a moment about why I do that, and I've realized that it's the connection I have to the, you know, the natural world at the moment. I'm working from the shed. We have a nice window in here and I can see out the uh, door here and I can look at the the beautiful pine trees over here and the, uh, the, the back of my house and the big trees and the wonderful magnolia tree that we have uh, just outside our door here. And it just, the shed allows for this connection to nature. Uh, and, And that's why I do it. Well, today it's kind of blustery and cold. Yesterday it was 70 and sunny, so it's March in the Midwest. This is what we get. But um, that that connection to nature is, is really important. And in fact, it's an important thing in this podcast too, um, because I want to mention that we are asking for book-length submissions, connecting man and nature and the spirit of the creative world and the natural world, and we'll talk about that at, at the end of the podcast. Uh, but I, I just... It just came to me that this is why I talk about the weather every time we open up the Rider Shed podcast. So, uh, blustery day today, uh, gray, uh, but beautiful in its own way. Now, to this episode. Once in a while, we check in with Arlen Hess, and she runs City Books in Pittsburgh. She owns the place. Uh, she purchased it back in 2015, but it had been around since about 18, uh, I should say 1984. She hosts uh, Shelf Life. It's a book show about uh, Pittsburgh authors and leads arts and literature tours around the old Allegheny West neighborhood and, and also directs the City Books Writer-in-Residence program. But she is a bookseller, and we love to check in with her from time to time to connect with the pulse of book selling uh, everywhere and the readers that are out there, the wonderful people who go in to all those indie bookstores. So Arlen, it's good to see you again. Appreciate that. And uh, it's been a unique, if to say the least, three years or so, right? Um, so first of all, how is how are you and how's the bookstore at this point? I'm doing well. Um, I am enjoying the first signs of spring here in Pittsburgh. We have had some really warm days in the past two or three weeks. We had a very warm weekend in February. And despite the fact that it's kind of snowing a little bit this morning, we had 70 degree weather on Saturday. So that helps drive people into the store. I want to say that Pittsburghers, when we have warm weather after a spate of cold weather, tend to take advantage of that, not by going to bookstores, but by going you know, and doing outdoor things like being on the river or going hiking or, or something like that. But what I have been noticing is that my um, tourism foot traffic is a lot higher. So people who have been not like maybe from Columbus or Youngstown or Erie who have been cooped up at home. Now, when we, they have a good weekend, they're coming down to Pittsburgh and they want to go to bookstores. So I think that the um, the demographics have changed a lot over the the last three years of my of my customer base. You mean as far as age is concerned, or just you talking about no tools? location? I mean, I don't location. ask people for their zip code when they check out mm. because I don't think that's any of my business. But um, I always try to ask people, "Oh, is it your first time in the store? Where are you from? How did you hear about us?" Because it, it, anecdotally, that helps me to know where I'm kind of who I'm reaching and maybe how I'm reaching them. Yeah. And 
Um, also, my credit card machine will also tell me at the end of every week how many new customers I've had. Mm. So um, while I, I never really lost my tried and true customers, I'm getting a lot of new customers from a, a lot of places that I normally don't think would have been coming into the bookstore. Well, that sounds like a lot of word of mouth stuff happening for the bookstore then to me, right? I mean, I think you're so. doing I some think massive ad campaign or something. So, right. So, well, I, right. I mean, I don't spend any money on marketing. I don't have mm. the budget for that. But in the past two years, over the course of the pandemic, and especially in the last year on TikTok, mm. uh, I've been, I'm, you know, and, and then those social media outlets become a funnel for my online sales in other ways. Yeah, I love how uh, what you do if you you just post a book, you know, here's here's what we have, here's what we have. I think that's a really unique, interesting, good way to do it, frankly. So, so people understand, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh. We know that we've talked about that before. So I I know the city and I know the the major changes that have happened in that city over the last you know 30, 40 years. But when when you say you get tourists, people from somewhere else don't understand that people tour. Pittsburgh that actually people <laughs> come to visit uh you know that's yeah. yeah we're still trying to get over the smoky city uh you know from you know 100 years ago um and uh it's amazing that people still think of it that way sometimes but people actually they come and they they're tourists in the city of Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. yeah oh yeah people come to Pittsburgh <laughs> I know. it is well I don't know if you know Brian O'Neill's book the Paris of Appalachia mm-hmm. you know I know Pittsburgh of it, yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh is uniquely located uh, at, you know, in Appalachia, mm-hmm. in the Rust Belt, halfway, right. I would say, between the East Coast and the Midwest. Right. So there's a, a lot happening in Pittsburgh. And, and another thing also regarding this, the tourist thing I mentioned, is that because people haven't seen each other in a long time, oh, Pittsburgh true. is yeah. often a meeting place between friends who live in Chicago and Washington, D.C., or relatives. So I get a lot of people coming in saying, oh, no, no, we're just visiting uh, relatives. And I'll be, oh, your relatives live here. No, they live in D.C., but it was easy to to meet them here. Oh, uh, yeah, so, that's a good um, point. Pittsburgh yeah. is at the crossroads of a lot of um, a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. And it, it uniquely has a, a, a an East Coast, but also a Midwest feel. It, 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 it's like a mixture of the two things. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but that in terms of your, the bookstore and you and how it's progressed, you seem to be, you know, riding the wave here pretty well. Is that true for most everybody? I can't speak for everybody else. I do believe that a lot of bookstores who have, who are in cities or who have very vibrant regional cultural arts and cultural um audiences yeah. have done have done well have survived and maybe even thrived because they were able to pivot and or appeal to that a very strong customer base i think a lot of people maybe who hadn't read in a long time during the pandemic returned to reading i yeah. i hear anecdotal mm-hmm. stories about that um I didn't have much of an online presence at all. I'm very comfortable with social media personally. Mm -hmm. And I knew in 2020 
when this, when we were all closing down on how to stay at home, my phone was going to become very, a very important link to the outside world. Mm-hmm. And if people were going to be on their phones as a business owner, I needed to be in front of them on their phones. Right. So I didn't really use my Instagram feed. You're talking about me posting four or five books a day on Instagram. Right. I did yeah. that prior to the lockdown, but people would say, oh, well, you hold that book for me until the weekend. Mm-hmm. And it was all just local business. Yeah. And then I, and this feels like a lifetime ago, but in March of 2020, I set up a shipping station in my living room. And then suddenly I was mailing everything out to those people. Yeah. Um, you know, and doing curbside if, if I needed to, but the store was basically closed. But then I jumped on other kinds of social media and then that led people to find my Instagram. And now some weeks I am mailing out a plastic mail hopper full of books to people all over the country. Wow. Wow. That really tells you something. So would you say that your online sales have grown exponentially because of the pandemic? Oh, yes. I can say that for sure. Um, So between, and, and I crunched these numbers because I had a gut feeling that things had changed, fundamentally changed yeah. for the better sure. in terms of that. So so I crunched from 19 to 20, 20 to 21. So that's because I can't count 22 yet. Um, and my online sales between 2019 and 2020, 64% of my sales were online. Mm-hmm. In, in the year that we were basically closed, we were only open something like 50, area 52 days in 2020. That's it. Yes. Wow. So we were open. The door, 52 the door days. was open. Yeah. Correct. Right. Yeah. Correct. The, for yeah. walk-in traffic, the door was only open 52 days. So 64% of my sales in 2020 were online sales. Then of course we reopened in 2021 for the most part, Mm -hmm. we reopened um, in April and then stayed open until right before Christmas. And then we closed for about a month. So we were open 210 days in 2021. Yeah. And my online sales in 2021 pulled back to 34%. Oh, because the doors were open. Yeah. Because the doors were open. Right. But still my total gross income was almost double of what it was from 2019. That's, uh, that is something no one would have ever totally predicted through all this. I don't think. Right. Right. I mean, my, and my expenses went up because that's, I had to mail some stuff out and, you know, (laughs) there was, there was a lot, there were a lot more expenses that were going on there as well. So uh, but yeah, that was completely unexpected. When I did that math, the beginning of uh, the beginning of February, I was I was just stunned. The bookstore business is notoriously slow in January, February, and March. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that, and with the Omicron surge, we stayed closed until February second. We just didn't close. We didn't open in January. I didn't want to take the risk. And it wasn't worth taking the risk because I knew there wasn't going to be a lot of money flowing in. Sure. Yeah. It was a downtime anyway. Yeah. Very downtime. So while most of my business since February 2nd has been weekend business, it has been business that 
is like pre-Christmas shopping. Really? Every weekend has been huge. Oh, that is record, so Record, record, sales. Yeah. Do you think that's, I mean, you keep in touch with other booksellers, I'm sure, in some way or form. Do you get that sense from everybody? Is everybody, are the indie bookstores doing, are they, are they all like that? No, I don't think they are. I don't, I don't think they are. And the reason that I don't think they are is because they, many of them, the, the ones that are suffering, there, there are bookstores that are doing well. The ones that are suffering, I think, are afraid to move online. Or to move online with such gusto, mm -hmm. take advantage of all the opportunities online mm -hmm. because they don't want to stop the foot traffic, stop the foot traffic. And they think that by moving online, they're stopping the foot traffic. And that is not my experience. My experience is actually the exact opposite. Yeah, I think the people who love walking into a bookstore are still going to walk into a bookstore. You know what I mean? They're, they're still going to make that choice. Yes. The only reason they're not is because of the pandemic, right? So yes. the people that are going to walk in are going to come walking back in again, no matter what. And the people who, for whatever reason, aren't going to get there, um, you know, whether they're from out of town or whatever, or they start following you on Instagram from Virginia, you know, they're, that's how they, yeah, that's how you build the sales, I think. I mean, I'm not a marketer and I'm certainly not a, an entrepreneur in any way, right. but I think that that's probably true. Right. I'm not an expert in any of this. I mean, I'm, and I work alone. So it's not as if I have, I pay someone to do the social media or I'm paying someone to do the special ordering or, I mean, it's, it's all me and I work all the time. Yeah. So you know, what, what's hot now? What, what are people buying? You know, we talked about a few weeks ago or a few months ago, actually uh, about, you know, during the pandemic and all that, and people were, were buying a certain kind of book. It seemed like, now, yeah. is it different now, or is there something that's hot than hotter than usual? Poetry, I would say, is really big. I think that's because of what's going on around the world. Mm. When um, the after the presidential election in 2016, there was, I had a, a massive uh, run on poetry. I think people felt that they didn't know how to articulate what they were feeling. They felt sad. They needed comfort of some kind. And my poetry section was, it was, I mean, it was decimated. It really was. Wow. wow. And I think that's great. Um, and I also feel in the last two weeks, so for the last two weekends, now that this war in Ukraine has started and a lot of people feel very helpless, I've had, I, I've really seen my numbers of poetry tick up. That's such an interesting thing. I think that makes total sense though, but I wouldn't have thought of that beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that before I became a bookseller. I mean, on from this end of the counter, this side of the counter, that's that's what I'm saying. Are are there uh any plans for anything as we open up a little bit more to do something any different or change your thinking? I'm just trying to get a sense of what indie bookstores are attempting to um sort of rebalance themselves after what we've gone through. Is that is that something different or are you just going to go back to doing what you're doing? Well, I am probably i am as a person very reluctant to move back into crowded online events or crowded in-person events okay. so uh, we had a very active events calendar an exhausting for me events calendar prior to the pandemic and we were doing 
uh, usually at least two literary events a month and then usually some other kind of event a month, whether it was an opening, an art opening, because we had we did have a little art gallery in the back or an acoustic musical event of some kind. Yeah. And because I'm trying now to make sure that my energy personally stays high um, and I, I want to make sure that however I spend that of my own personal capital yeah. is, um, is worthwhile for the bookstore. I, I do have plans for an event, uh, an, uh, an online event in April, which I have to get ready to announce. I haven't announced that yet. And um, Pittsburgh is having a, book festival in yeah. may yeah i read about that mm-hmm. yeah so now that actually i think the weather will be warmer in may i wouldn't mind having more people coming into the store i can leave the door open we have an air filter so i think i'm going to do a little pop-up um, showcase of my antiquarian and collectible books i guess to answer your question the rebalance for what weird city books is doing and what i'm doing yeah. is trying to make sure that whatever event that we do or whatever marketing campaign that we do has quantifiable returns for the store. Right. Um, I still very much think of, and, and it, it is, and we will always be city books is very much a community bookstore. So we're very active in the community in other ways, sponsoring events, co-sponsoring events, that sort of stuff. But um, with the increase in online sales, and it is significantly higher than what any, in-store event sales have been, I don't feel like I need to um, spend a lot of time with my in-person events. So does that also uh, equate to just uh, awareness? You know, there's value in awareness to not always like bringing in the money, but a value in awareness that maybe lead to, you know, revenue down the line. Is is there still value in that? An awareness on my part or an awareness in my potential customer's part? Well, awareness that, you know, like having an event that might just bring you um, some publicity rather than necessarily revenue, at least right away. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And and that circles back to a a nationwide and in some cases worldwide in the English speaking world um, awareness of the bookstore. So I can have an event with. 30, you know, let's say I have an, an in-store event and it's usually the same 20 to 30 people. Yeah. yeah. But, and, but those sales are just limited to, do, to those folks. I see. Yeah. But if I have an online event and people and what I have done is set it up on Eventbrite where it's a free event, but to register, you need to buy the book. Otherwise you're, it's not really working. So yeah. then I have the, the, the person gets the book and I can get a book plate or I can get those books if I plan far enough ahead signed by the author and the person in you know San Diego can order that book from me they, sure. you know they they sign on for the event they order the book from me and I'm reaching people that I far beyond those I could just reach if it was limited to Pittsburgh exactly yeah they, I, I can see that happening and and I think a lot of bookstores at least the ones I know here in Chicago and some of the other ones that I'm familiar with or have been have connections with for one reason or another across the country are also doing similar kinds of things we become comfortable with the online event and if it was working yeah. in the pandemic why wouldn't it work after the pandemic you're still yeah. bringing in people from a thousand miles away so yeah. why not? Why wouldn't it not work? 
Exactly. One of the things that I have found through uh, my social media, like growing my social media accounts over the past, you know, two years, has been have been has been that I get a lot of people saying, "I live out in the middle of nowhere. I don't have a local indie. Mm-hmm. I have to order from Amazon just for accessibility reasons." I love having found you because now you're my local bookstore, even though you're not down the street. Wow. I know that I can support a local indie, even though it, it's not proximity local. And I think sometimes, but I think booksellers probably need to be clearer about how indie doesn't have to mean down the street. It's great. If you have a bookseller down the street, patronize that bookseller that that local indie mom and pop shop bookseller that's that's important to your community very very important but if you don't you do have alternatives to amazon yeah the the definition of an indie bookstore doesn't necessarily mean a neighborhood bookstore right right yeah, Absolutely. that's, a, that's right. a really interesting way to think about it and and i would think that the pandemic has has you know given fuel to that and right absolutely it's so unique. It's so different. So um, I know that um, City Books has been there a while and you've been strong and certainly standing tall through all the pandemic. It just feels good. I mean, from what I see from your social media and what you've told me now, it feels like you're in a really good place. Yeah. And having crunched all those numbers, I mean, I don't want to say it's all it's all blue sky. I mean, there are areas that I have not paid attention to. I mean, I when I break it down month by month and I think, oh, this is what happened in this month? And mm. I realized, well, I got distracted over here and didn't post as much as I should have on Instagram or, or wherever. And, mm. and I can see the direct connection. So I, there are other tools out there that I can use to schedule posts in advance and um, how I can make better graphics. And, and uh, I, I think that 2022 is going to be a good year. Well, that's a great way to end this conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we really want, want 2022 to be a great year for bookstores. For bookstores, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's say otherwise for democracy, I don't think it's going to be the best. Yeah, we've got we've got some uh, but, we've got a lot of issues to work through. Yeah. 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 I really appreciate your time as always. It's a great talk to you. Good to see you again. And my pleasure, David. Thank you so much for checking in. I really appreciate it. So I really urge you, as always, to follow the people that we uh, talk to on our podcast, and especially City Books on Instagram. City Books, P-G-H, short for Pittsburgh, the abbreviation. So City Books, Pittsburgh, and you can get updates on used books available there. You can even uh, order them uh, by that Instagram post. So I really urge you to do that. A reminder, too, that Ridershed Press is now open for book-length submissions. We are looking for nonfiction manuscripts and creative nonfiction on the link of Nature and Man. Tell us about walks and hikes and cabins and wide-open spaces and how nature can uh, create a sort of spirit in your life, a creative spirit in your life. You know, surprise us a little bit. You can find all the information at writershedpress.com. Submissions are open until the end of May. This has been episode 29 of The Writer's Shed. I'm David W. Berner. Our music is from IRA Music. Production and interviews produced in the shed as always. You can find more about Writer's Shed Press at writershedpress.com and at The Writer's Shed on Medium. You can also sign up for our newsletter there and find us at Writer's Shed Press on Twitter. The Writer's Shed, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.